son of a bitch is dug in like an Alabama tick. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Huh. Okay. Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on core temp arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Welcome to another episode of Podstalgic. This is a podcast where we take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old. I'm your host, Peter, and joining me on this review is Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast. How are you doing, Justin? Fantastic, actually, and I really, really appreciate you having me on tonight. We're talking about a movie that's so near and dear to my heart, so I couldn't be more excited to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that you're here as well. Uh, this movie is def- definitely one of my favorites and definitely one of my favorite uh, Arnold movies, uh, for sure. I, I would pr- probably say top three, maybe. I've never, Ooh. I don't think I've ever really quite ranked them, to be honest with you. Yeah, it would definitely be top five for me, I'll tell you that much right off the bat. It'd be hard because I've never done it either. It's a task, yeah. man. That's a task. Best it Arnold is. movies, you know? So I get it. And there's still some newer ones I haven't seen, but from what people have said, they, they probably wouldn't even break top 10. No. Maybe. Probably I don't not. Know. No, not, not five easy, yeah. but three. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I I would say. Actually, you know what? I, I have the IMDb for Predator up right now, and a couple of the posters are, you know, like are on the screen as well. I was like, okay, all right, maybe five, because you got like Total Recall and stuff too that I just kind of like completely yeah, blanked about. Seriously, yeah, it, it's it's tough. That's really tough. It it is. Now, for those that haven't heard your guys' podcast, can you talk a little bit about what you and Nick do? Well, Epic Film Guy Nick and myself, we talk about movies on a weekly basis and craft beer. We have this drunk hobo asshole that joins our podcast randomly by walking in my door in the middle of the night called The Hopester, which we were hoping to get off the show. We, we want him gone, but he just rolls in whenever he wants and harasses us. But other than that, we just love talking about movies. Um, my co-host is a contrarian and hates things that everybody else in the world loves. So there's that. So if you like people that don't like things that everybody else likes, you'll love Nick. And hey, I'd still like most of what everybody else likes. So come listen to us if, you, if you're interested. We're the Epic Film Guys. Yeah, you guys do a lot of great things, too. You guys just recently did this campaign with the, um, uh, help me out with the... Uh... The Cancer Research Institute. Yeah. That's it. Yep, That's we were it. doing, we did a live stream for The Cure. Um, that was insane. My partner actually put that whole thing together. Um, he and I have both just experienced it too many times in our lives, losing people to cancer. So we did a live stream, which started at 12 uh, in the morning, and then it lasted until, I, I think actually, I I, I can't I left early. <laughs> um, but I think he kept going on playing video games with people and just streaming until the middle of the next day. So um it was great. We we raised a decent amount, nowhere near the goal we hoped, but we did make enough to make a little dent in cancer. So it was all for yeah. a good cause. We had a lot of fun, a lot of great guests, talked a lot about a lot of great movies. It was a ball. Yeah, that, that's an amazing thing. I haven't heard like any of these like big name podcasters doing that. So there we go. Independent podcasters doing big things. So um, that's really awesome of you guys. Now, um, I I have a I guess you can call it a minor problem, but I have a hard time trying to figure out who runs what uh, with the different social medias. Uh, can you clear that up a little bit for for the listeners that uh, maybe also follow yeah. you guys on all those? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, the Facebook is my baby. It's how Epic Film Guys was created. It was the start of it. I made that name. 
I came up with the idea for the name. Then I made a Facebook, and I said, oh, no one else has the name, so it's ours. Um, but I run most of the Facebook. Nick does post his reviews from time to time, and our contributor, Loy Sauce, Brian Loy, he does contribute on the Facebook page as well. Twitter's all Nick. Twitter is Nick. I don't even have a Twitter. I'm that one guy that created one like five years ago when it first started or when it first became something. And I was like, eh, I'm not going to really do that. I've got too many other things. So he runs the Twitter. I don't pay much attention. I'm sure he says lots of very, very nice things <laughs> about me on there. Very nice. Um, absolutely. But I, I run the Instagram. The Instagram is basically like 70% Epic Film Guys, 30% my personal stuff. Because um, as we were talking about pre-show, I take action figure photography pics and I post them on there. Um, one of my most recent photos is one that I took of the creature that we're going to be talking about a little bit tonight. But um, so, yeah, Instagram is me. Nick is Twitter. Facebook is kind of all of us. But I think Nick just likes to troll us on the Facebook more than anything. When I post <laughs> stuff like today, I posted, oh, the Goonies turns 32 years old today. And of course, he had to come in and, and hashtag garbage in the comment section. But that's Nick for you, though. Sounds about right. Now, um, I did I did find it interesting that uh, your recent Instagram post was uh, was of the Predator. Was that because of this uh, recording, or was that just kind of coincidental? Oh, actually, it was definitely coincidental because NECA, one of the best action figure brands in the entire world, just came out with their Ultimate Jungle Hunter Predator figure, which is the design from the original film. Now they've they've done a ton of different figures over the years, but I just want the original one. Like I'm, I like the other ones; they're all cool. They're cool designs, but the one that I've wanted for so long is just the original design. They've been doing these Ultimate lines where they beef up the figure a little bit, they make it a little more detailed, uh, make it more. So I could bend more, more articulation. So I bought it like three weeks ago. You know, my wife always gives me the, the look like you're buying another toy. But I'm like, look at the detail. Like, look at look at the, you know, it's, I'm showing it to you in the the video, the Skype video. I'm like, he just he's beautiful. He can change his head. He's and, pretty awesome. And, you know, everything. So I'm like, yep. I know, I know that look that you speak of. I, I know that look. Um, yeah. I have two Monopoly boards that are both Back to the Future. Uh, do you, you have, probably you have guess one, why I have two. Do you have one open, though? Do you, you, yes. You, okay, there you go. Good enough. I have one open, but I have yet to play it. <laughs> I just want to see what it all looked like on the inside. It makes sense. I've got a, a Batman game from the original 1989 Batman film that I bought mint on eBay. I opened it just to look at it. I've never played it. I don't even know how to play it. I'm like, I just wanted to have it to have it. But yeah, you can relate. You can relate, man. Absolutely. Now, uh, we keep talking about how we are discussing Predator today. Uh, this did come out in 1987, uh, June 12th to be exact. The very same weekend, the other movies that also came out, uh, Million Dollar Mystery, The Believers, and Witches of Eastwick. Wow. Uh, the the only one that I've seen out of that bunch is Witches of Eastwick, to be honest with that, that I, I can that remember. That I've heard of. Yeah, the... The Believers, I don't recognize this uh, cover box at all. You know, I used to work at Blockbuster, so I'm pretty familiar with oh, a lot of them. you did? Really? Oh, man. Yeah. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. Um, this is a, a horror supernatural. Okay. Um, it's got Martin Sheen in it, directed by John Schl Schlesinger. Never heard of it. Doesn't so, ring a bell. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if uh, our buddy Shampoo has ever heard of anything like that, so... Um, let let us know. It did some money. Uh, it, it made some money, not a lot, but um, you know, it mean it it was up against Predator and which is uh Eastwick. If it didn't get a Scream Factory or an Arrow special edition, you know, ultimate release on Blu-ray recently, then it may not be that big of a deal. But probably not. I'm still kind of kind of interested because it's got Martin Sheen in it in a horror movie. It sounds yeah, definitely sounds interesting. Yeah. 
So uh, those were the movies that came out. The number one song at the time was Kim Wilde's You Keep Me Hanging On. I'm trying to hum that in my head, but it's, it's not coming. It's not coming, man. You keep me hanging on. I'm sure that kind of sounded like it, maybe. Yeah, that, that was the, I'm pro- the wrong that, person. It, it had to be the hook, though. It had to be. But, <laughs> and I love 80s music. It's like my favorite thing in the world. But that one just does not ring a bell for me. Yeah, I, yeah I'm right there with you with 80s music. Um, I love it. Uh, I'm sure that's kind of what it sounded like. I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Predator here. Let's uh, do it. This one was directed by John McTiernan. Uh, it was, or it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dutch, Carl Weathers as Dylan, Bill Duke as Mac, Jesse Ventura as Blaine Cooper, uh, Shane Black as Rick Hawkins. Let's see, we got Sonny Landham as Billy. And who else? I guess uh, we could throw in Elpedia Carrillo as Anna. She's uh, the young gal that they rescue slash take hostage. And they drag around the jungle the entire movie yeah. until she... Exactly. Yeah. And we find out like way later that she actually does speak English. And that she actually knows something of, of, of value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a little refresher. I mean, I don't know. We really need a refresher. Who doesn't know Predator? Come on. Yeah, who doesn't know Predator? But uh, I mean, to keep it real simple, a bunch of commandos go into the jungle on one mission and while they are there they encounter some sort of alien that they cannot see uh, because it uh, it's got this camouflage technology and throughout the movie Arnold tries to kill it as they are being hunted as he says in the film one of the most iconic lines in film history if it bleeds we can kill it yeah, absolutely. Hey, that sounds just like him. Yeah. Uh, but Justin, what what do you remember uh, about this movie? Is this something that you watch very often? Oh, oh, most definitely. Now, here's something I'll, I'll go out on record and say because we're talking about the film. There's not one good Blu-ray of this film. Um, the actual efforts that have been put in by 20th Century Fox to create a great version of this film on Blu-ray have all looked like complete crap. I had the opportunity to see the film on the big screen last year um, at my local Elmo Draft House, and it's the same thing. It's just this thing that they did this digital noise reduction on, and I, I, I swear, I'm pray- I was praying for this year they were going to do like an awesome new restoration for the film, but um, I do watch it at least Usually once or twice a year, honestly. Like, it's one of those comfort movies for me that I'll put it in. And I remember the first time I saw the film, and I do this on our show too, so I'll just humor you with this. Um, it's strange that I remember so much from my childhood, but it all has to do with movies, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember losing my first tooth or anything. No, I remember Predator, though. <laughs> um, but there's uh, an amusement park up in upstate New York near Buffalo um, called Darien Lake. It was a Six Flags for a while. And it had this roller coaster. It was a wooden coaster, and it was called Predator. When... I went there with my dad. He said, you can't ride that. You're not old enough yet. And I was really, really young. And he was like, but there's a movie that I know you'll like. It's called it's called Predator. Um, he never showed it to me. But not that long after that, maybe a year later, I was in what we call the Video King. It was like the equivalent, a local equivalent of a blockbuster. And I saw it on the shelf. And I was like, oh, my God, it's got Arnold. And I had seen the first Terminator by that point. So I rented it. And I watched it. 
And I loved the ever-living shit out of the movie. So it's it's one of those films from my childhood that I remember physically picking up off the shelf, a VHS case, you know, and and taking it to the front desk. And it had Arnold on it. You know, that first poster, the original iconic poster with him in the target, him holding the gun. It, so, yes, definitely. It's, it's a very special movie to me. I watch it a couple times a year. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I should watch it a little bit more. I really did enjoy it uh, this this time around uh, on the rewatch. Um, I'm pretty sure the last time I saw it was at least, well, it was definitely over three years ago because uh, I've been podcasting for three years now and um, I have not watched it uh, as a podcaster. Uh, the last time I did watch it was to write into a podcast that I did listen to when I was okay. just a regular listener. So uh, so it was kind of cool. And the, okay, so I own the Blu-ray. That's the 2D, 3D version. Y- okay, so well, I, I've heard the 3D version itself because I'm not a 3D guy. Anyone that listens to our show knows that. But I've read that the version they did for the 3D actually looks good. But the regular version is still the same crappy version where there was a time <laughs> in Blu-ray um, when Blu-ray first started when studios just wanted to make old films look new. So they would right. like digitally basically paint the actors. They'd, they'd re- remove all the film grain from older films, especially Predator's very grainy movie. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's the same transfer we have to this day. No matter what version you get of Predator, it's still going to have that where they tried to doctor it and make it look new and it's not a good job and it, and it shows. So um, it's unfortunate because so many films of you know lesser quality are getting these awesome 4K restorations in this day and age um, and like Predator can't get it for some reason. I don't know why, but I mean, it, it's, it sucks, but it, I'm still lucky to have two different versions of it that I own, both the DVD and the Blu-ray. And, you know, you can, if you can look past it, it still looks good. The quality's there. But I'm one of those people, I'm a little bit more, I guess, a purist, I guess. Like, if there's film grain that's supposed to be there, leave it there. Don't, like, paint Carl Weathers' face so that it looks like he's, like, a, a cartoon, basically. But Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think one of the very first, like, old movie that I bought on Blu-ray where it just looked like shit was the the, the first Terminator movie. You know, okay. It was still, yeah, yeah, it was clear, but it was still really grainy. You know, it didn't look as clean as at all. So, um, I would be curious to see if they're going to release like a 30th anniversary. So, uh, I haven't watched the 3D version yet. If if they were, it would have already been re- it would have already been pr- you yeah, know, you're right. promoted and released. So it's unfortunately not happening. But I mean, it is what it is. That's one of those movies you can go to Walmart and buy it in like the five dollar bin. So yeah, yeah, you really they're not could. losing anything. No, they're not. Um. Off mic, we were actually kind of talking a little a little bit about the score as well. Yeah. Um, Alan Silvestri, who scores the movie, um, obviously worked on you know the Back to the Future trilogy. Actually, he likes to collab with Robert Zemeckis quite a bit. He does. And yeah. you know, it, it, there, there's a like a certain cadence to it. It sounds just like the Back to the Future music. It does. Uh, one and two, really. Yeah, like the brass music, the percussions, it's all there. Very fanfare like. Yeah, definitely. And, and the use of horns, man. And I love his use of horns. So bright and, and so powerful. And you can hear that there. And there's some similar cues in Predator that you'll hear. You've heard previous in the Back to the Future films. Um, and you'll hear after this film when you when you watch Roger Rabbit. There are certain cues that are just Silvestri-esque, almost very much like the same as John Williams. You, you'll hear the cue. It's like watching Star Wars or Indiana Jones or Jaws. He'll have a certain sound 
when it's getting scary or it's getting energetic and there's about to be action. And, and Sylvester does it the same thing um, when he builds up scenes so perfectly. And I love that. It's it's a signature to a composer and to a writer. And it, it feels special in this. And this was the first movie that Sylvester actually scored that was an action feature. Mm. So, it, it, and I love the drums, man. The drums are so great. They're, they're 80s, but they're so... Right. It's those awesome classic 80s, like, you know, almost electronic sounding drums, but they're real drums. So that's why I love them so much. There's like a military feel to his score in this. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it works well with the aesthetics of the movie. You know, these guys are, you know, uh, again, they're, they're commandos. They're like these uh, kind of black ops. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I really like it a lot. It, it fits well, but I remember just what three and a half years ago, whenever the heck I watched it last, I was just like, man, that's, that's, that sounds like Alan Silvestri. And I didn't know that he scored that, that movie at the time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very him for sure. Now you said that you had a story where you met him. I did meet him out and, and you being the back to the future fan that you are, you would appreciate it. Um, three years ago, they held a back to the future screening. This place called Wolf Trap. It's an outside seating place. They were showing the film with live orchestra um, Leah Thompson was on, she was there. I got to meet her, got a picture that she was such a sweetheart. And so was Ellen Silvestri. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Uh, no one knew who he was in the crowd. Everyone was going <laughs> towards Leah and I'm, I'm there. I'm like, Oh my God. So I met her and I'm like, there he is. And I met him. I shook his hand. Um, he, he signed my Blu-ray of back to the future. And then they did a, like a panel basically with Alan and Leah, um, just asking about the back to the future films. Um, even though Howard the Duck did come up for Leah once or twice. And someone did ask um, Alan what the one of the most challenging scores of his career was, and he mentioned Predator, and that he had said that it was a movie that was different from what he had done before. And just hearing him like being like three rows back and hearing him mention Predator was amazing. Now, he didn't actually compose. like He wasn't there conducting the, the orchestra, but right. he was there. He was supervising it, so that was just cool because you knew he was there. And to see Back to the Future, like with a huge screen outside of thousands of people with a live orchestra was so special, and just knowing that he was there. I mean, I'm sure you yeah. would get the same feeling. That you, you just, I'm like sitting there with goosebumps all over me the whole time because I, I just know he's there. This is the guy that did so many iconic scores um, for so many films that I love. So it was, it was special, man. Just getting to meet the guy, very nice guy, very humble. And I think he just appreciated that someone knew who he was when yeah. I walked up to him, you know, but yeah, it was, that, it was super awesome. That's pretty amazing. Um, I had a, a, a similar experience except for I didn't meet anybody, but I did get to watch uh, back to the future, uh, inside a theater with the live orchestra. Awesome, um, dude. so it was like one of those composers that, uh, they, you know, that they sent in his place. Um, because it's West Coast. So uh, I got to watch it. It was amazing. I got to hear some like brand new stuff uh, that he wrote yeah, for that's the That's right. Live. They did that for ours too. So it must have been the same tour they were doing that we, we both yeah. got to check out then. Okay, I remember that because they yeah. were doing it all over the country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was pretty amazing. Um, all right, let's talk, let's talk about some of the, uh, the, the, the characters here. Um, obviously, we have our lead uh, in Dutch. Uh, he's kind of the well. He is. He's the leader of this group. He's That's the major. Right. Uh, everyone else seems um, the, the only other rank uh, other than uh, Dylan being Colonel. Uh, I know he works for the CIA now and is no longer part of this team. Uh, I know Mac is a sergeant. I didn't really catch any of uh, their other ranks, but Arnold is definitely the leader of this group. He definitely is. And one thing that y you realize as you're watching this movie is that you only remember 
one name for each character. You don't really hear them their full their full names being mentioned. It's always Dutch, right. Dylan, uh, Mac, Blaine, Mac. Billy, Pont, you know, Haw- especially Hawkins, which which is the coolest thing ever because we have to mention this. Hawkins was played by Shane Black, director and writer. Um, was was a writer up until that point. He he had written uh, Lethal Weapon, and he actually just directed and helped write with Fred Decker the new Predator movie that's going to be coming out next year. So I think it's yeah. really cool actually um, that he was in the original and he's writing and directing the new one um but you know um the cool thing about these characters as we talk about them is they all they all feel legit man you buy these guys are like this rescue team these commandos these hired muscle um that are going to go in and try to rescue whoever they're supposed to rescue and basically take out anyone that's in the way there's a machismo and there's a certain like hardcore like very uh masculine feeling to these guys um Mm -hmm. and you get that feeling as soon as the film starts it's the music is perfect. You're introduced. Introdu- you're intro. <clears throat> you're introduced to Dutch, and he looks like the most badass character on the planet. I mean, he's got sunglasses on. It's not that bright out, and he lights a cigar before he gets out of a fucking chopper. And yeah. then you have that <laughs> iconic scene where you know him and Carl Weathers, Dylan, Dylan, you son of a bitch. And then you get that awesome close-up shot. Of the awesome biceps and triceps <laughs> bicep, yeah. squeezing with the veins popping out. I mean, there's there's the machismo level in this film is a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, it's it's nutty. But like, I feel like everyone is perfectly cast in this thing. All the characters are so well rounded. I can't tell you that anyone in this cast was not supposed to be there. They all felt like a real legitimate part of the team. Like they meant to be together. Yeah, they they really did. I wonder if they spent some time, you know, um, before they actually started filming, you know, to kind of build that rapport. Because uh, you're right, it's very organic. I, I buy them uh, as these characters. Really, it's hard for me to separate them aside from Arnold uh, for the obvious. Well, of course, but, yeah. Um, you know, like uh, for the most part, I think most of these people I know them from these roles. Uh, Bill Duke, who plays Mac. I know him from this movie, but I just recently found out that he directed a bunch of movies as well. Wow. Because uh, okay. I just recently reviewed uh, both Sister Act movies. Well, he directed yeah, I saw the that. second Sister Act. What? He, exactly, How did I not right? know that? Six I mean, I saw later. that movie years ago, but I mean, I haven't watched yeah. it since. But that's that's, nut, that's nuts to think that he actually did that. But that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's Mac. So, yeah, he has a little cameo in Sister Act 2. Uh, he directed that. So that was really crazy to see. Um, but yeah, they, Shane Black, I know him by name, you know, and obviously in this movie, uh, you know, he's written the, uh, Lethal Weapon movies and also directed Iron Man 3. He did direct Iron Man 3 and it's the only movie that he directed that I could not stand. And he also directed (laughs) one of my top five films of last year, which was The Nice Guys starring Russell Crowe and, and Ryan Gosling. And I love that movie and I, I love Shane Black's sensibilities and it's so like I said, I couldn't have asked for someone better to pick up the Predator franchise, um, not to get off on a tangent or anything. But, hey, he was in the first one. He knows what makes the franchise work, and he's good in the movie. Um, but it is what it is. I'm excited for another Predator movie, but we'll say that much. That's how important this movie is to me. That's not to say that the sequels are all crap, but yeah, you can say what you want about them. This is the one, though. This movie, yeah. it, what immediately comes to mind when I think about this movie is that up until this point, nothing like this had been made. You can think of aliens, right? You can think of a bunch of commandos going after, you know, a bunch of aliens in this claustrophobic setting. But we're in the jungle in this movie. 
It's vast. Right. It's huge. But yet this film, John McTiernan actually does such a great job in bringing in a claustrophobic feeling where they feel trapped. These characters are in this movie. They're in there together and they, they absolutely feel trapped. They're, they're in danger and they're scared. And these guys are not guys that are normally scared. When they right. when they when they get into that situation, I think that's one of the best things about it. It's it's so special, and I think that's why it was such a big hit because you know there's plenty of war movies in the '80s and there's plenty of science fiction movies in the '80s. But think about the idea of being a bunch of badasses that are so well trained, and you're in the middle of the jungle, you don't know where you are, and you're basically helpless. Yeah, I think I think he did uh, an amazing job at this because. Uh, you know, we don't get to see what the predator looks like for the longest time. You know, he's in camouflage, so when they do see him, it's just this blurred um, image of him. And I like the buildup. You know, it's very suspenseful. Where, very good buildup, yeah. Yeah, the, you know, the movie starts off as like a war movie, and you're just following this group of soldiers who all have a particular special skill set, you know, and uh, you get to learn their personalities, you know, you get to really see how they handle certain situations, you know, right. you get to see Blaine, you know, how he just, the, the whole line with, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't got time to bleed, you know, like this is all building up to their characters where you're like, yeah, these guys are badasses. That way, when the predator is revealed and you see them scared, you know, uh, especially with Billy, you're like, oh, bullshit, you're scared of no man. Well, this is it a man or whatever the line is. say no man, yeah, basically. Yeah, it, definitely. And, and that's that's what makes this film so special just to start off on, you know, the beginning of it. Because watching it for the first time, I think to anyone now, say for a younger person that's never seen a movie like or, or they've never seen Predator in general, it'll work so well to great effect because everyone knows Arnold is like the biggest badass in the world, mm-hmm. um, especially for the 80s. Like they couldn't have cast somebody better than Arnold in the role, even though um, the writers that wrote this film, their names have kind of left my mind for the for the, for the the time, but um, their idea was is that they had heard a joke that uh, there'd been so many Rocky movies that they decided like, hey, Rocky should fight E.T. He hasn't he hasn't fought an alien yet. And then two writers actually came up with the concept for Predator based on that joke. And that's where Predator came from. And that's how it kind of came to fruition. Um, and John McTiernan, the director, I mean, this was his first big movie. It was his first directorial debut, if I recall. Correct me if I'm wrong there. I think it was his first. I'll look that up. But it was Jim and John Thomas that that's uh, right. both directed it. Yeah. And this was second. Uh, the first one's called Nomads, which he wrote in direct. Okay, so so so, so his one. so his biggest, you know, his first yeah, big movie, big yeah, um, blockbuster, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what this other this Nomad thing is, but it was music by Bill Conti, so that's exciting. I like that a oh, lot. Oh yeah, there you go. Looks, same dude did like Rocky stuff, movie. so yeah, yeah. Really? Okay, I'll have to check that out. I mean, I, um, but you know, let's talk about one of the most important things. In the movie, right off the bat. Okay. So you had just mentioned not that long ago that we don't see that predator. It was such a great buildup. It's almost like, you know, Jaws or any other awesome classic film where they hide the monster for a certain period of time and you finally see it. So I'm sure you know this, but it's been common knowledge at this point that the predator did not originally look like what we see in the film. The original version of the predator looked like kind of like a dog lizard creature. Very strange. And it was played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, They originally wanted to do this alien creature that had martial arts 
uh, expertise that was going to be able to be very fluid and be able to do like spin kicks and stuff, I guess. Like uh, that, that's the idea. There are many pictures on Google and there's actually special features on the Blu-ray and the DVD where you can see footage <laughs> of Jean-Claude Van Damme walking around in the jungle with this. But number one, they realized after they started shooting this thing, it didn't work. It looked hokey. Number two, Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme, sudden death baby, um, he complained every single day because they were in very harsh conditions in this in this jungle where they were shooting and he was literally passing out in this costume. So this is basically like an urban legend in the film world, but we'll get to it right now because we have to. So this is the story and we're going to go with it. So Stan Winston was on a plane. He was on a flight and he magically saw James Cameron on there. Like, Hey, you know, Hey, we worked on the Terminator together. Hey, we worked on aliens together. Hey, let's talk a little bit. And they were having trouble coming up with an idea for this movie and supposedly James Cameron had a say in having the predator have those little mandibles, mandibles little, yeah you know his little teeth that come out and open, spread out and had a say in this whole flight they discussed and came up with an idea and a concept for the look and the design of the predator so Stan Winston comes into play they hire him on and I guess it supposedly it was like 1.2 million dollars that it cost for them to bring in that Stan Winston's team uh, wow. to redesign it but then when you see this thing, is it not like the most iconic thing ever? Is it not like one of the best alien designs or creature designs in film history? You got to tell me. Come on. Yeah, is it no, it, it, it really is. It, it's it's great. You know, like that story, it kind of reminds me of like the whole the Facebook. Oh, just drop the the. You know, it's just like <laughs> one, one little thing, you know, mentioned by, um, you know, James Cameron. So I, I do love the look. You know, it still holds up. I mean, you can tell like some parts of his body, you know, where it's a little squishy. You can tell that it's a bodysuit. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's just as iconic right. as like the alien's alien, you know. So I do like the look. Um, I, I love the way it bleeds. You know, it's basically glowing. The blood is like like liquid lightsaber. It is. And that's that's a visual that we hadn't seen really in a movie up until that point. So there's so many different things in this movie that we see for the first time compared to what had come before that. And I think that film audiences were just really surprised by it and really excited by it. Now, Kevin Peter Hall played the Predator after Jean-Claude Van Damme complained so much. He said, I can't fucking stand this. And he was like, I can't be in this costume. And, and there was <laughs> no way that at his size, he was going to be able to stand up to Arnold and the rest of these characters and really make them scared. See, back then, there was an idea of size meant strength, and I totally get it, and it works for mm -hmm. this film. So they brought in Kevin Michael, or excuse me, Kevin Peter Hall, um, who has since passed away. Um, but he also did Harry from Harry and the Hendersons as Bigfoot. And this is a guy who was a big he was like 7'2", who was easy to get into a large costume for a creature, and he worked well, you know, just being able to do stunt work. So this guy, man, like when you see him standing up next to Arnold, like even though the rumors are that Arnold wear, wears lifts, okay, in his shoes, he's still, when you think of him from back mm -hmm. in the day, he always just looks like a hulking giant dude. And when you finally see him face right. to face with this predator... He looks small. He looks like a very small person. So this creature is intimidating, and, it, and they sell it so well. The suit looks good. There's like a very reptilian face to him when you, he finally gets his helmet off, um, and you can see his skin and everything, and his weaponry. Let's let's get let's get into his weaponry. 
Yeah. What, yeah, what do you absolutely. got there? I mean, like, seriously, think about the weaponry, this thing. He's got like that, what they call him, and I believe the original concept was the parrot cannon that he has on his shoulder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where he can aim with it. Yeah. He, he aims with the his, his aiming device on his helmet. Mm-hmm. And then the three dots basically go in a triangular shape towards whatever they're trying. he's trying to aim at. And then the parrot cannon just shoots and it's basically like a small missile. It's like the coolest visual ever on this alien. Like who would have ever thought like, Oh, it's like a giant cannon on this alien. And you know, just, just thinking about it when you watch it, like that's like the coolest shit ever. Like a kid, uh, short circuit. Exactly. It's it's like a kid came (laughs) up with it, you know, a little bit. Yeah. I I like it a lot. Um, You know, I, I think, uh, Mortal Kombat drew a lot of inspirations from the Predator, you know, for their Cyrax, uh, you know, the, the hair, the self-destruct fatality and all of that. So uh, they they like to pull from movies, those guys. What do you think about uh, some of these death scenes? Um, before we actually move on to that, uh, kind of to touch up uh, on the Predator real quick, like uh, how we don't get to see him for for most of the movie, it's got to make the audience question, right? Like what what is it? Like how strong is it that they can string up bodies from way up above the ground in you know high up in the trees, uh ripping out guts and all of that too. It's just like the visual and leaving the mystique to the audience too. I think is you know is even more effective. You know, we're yeah, talking about how it works. When they say I forget which character. I believe it is Hawkins. Actually, that when they get up, when he gets up there, they first land and they see that the prior rescue team, the previous rescue team, go that they find him, and he says, "They're skinned. Why would they skin them?" At that point, they're still under the impression that humans have done this. Mm-hmm, right. So they build this mystique all throughout the film so perfectly because they, they get there and they're like, "Oh, these guys have seen a lot." You know, they mention yeah. it. They they mention it throughout the film. You know, you know. Different Afghanistan, di- Afghanistan, yep. Different different events that they had been at together, or they've they've done that were actually super bloody and violent, and they got out. So these guys are trained; they know what they're doing. They've they've seen it all, and they immediately are like, "Why would they skin them? This is you know." And when that, in that image, when the the I believe they're crows fly out or the, uh, vultures, but buzzards, yeah, they they fly out, and you know you see that first initial shot, which still holds up today of the practical dead dummy hanging yeah. there. Um, you know you're in for something brutal. Um, but not to get off on a tangent, though, um, but I feel like we need to address that first action sequence in the film when they finally meet up with – they're still they're, – they're a rescue team, and right. they're there to try to infiltrate and pull pull whoever's left there that's still part of the original team out, and they meet that, that huge giant like refugee camp, basically. Right, yeah. Um, it, tell me that isn't like the best – best action scene ever like because we get to see classic 80s just like when you see like body count of like 50 dudes you know the squibs are in place and people are getting blown away and i, bl- I believe arnold takes he lifts up the back of a truck yeah <laughs> that's that's like got like a motor running on or something that's like on like stilts basically and he picks it up obviously not for real but it looks like he does and then he pushes it into the refugee camp he puts a bomb in it and they they blow it up and then it's just like pure mayhem they're just like blowing away everybody yeah, absolutely. It's a great sequence. Um they set up a bunch of traps, trip yep. wires. Um it's it's great because like Arnold wasn't or Dutch wasn't even planning to do anything with that truck. He was just 
he was walking by and decides to do something with the truck because Dylan looks over and is like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. You know, and then he just lets the truck run all the way down. Like, and some, some, one of the villagers runs and like jumps in the truck to try to stop it, you know, before it explodes. But yeah, it, it, it's an amazing sequence. It goes on for a while, actually, too. It does. It, it's quite long. And, and that's one of the, it, it has that 80s charm that I think it, it fit real well with people at that time, the audiences, because they had seen Commando. And it has almost like a Commando-esque type feeling because you get to see all these awesome Commando characters going in and just like blowing away who you think are bad guys. And let's face it, it gives one of the best Arnold lines of all time. He throws the fucking machete into the dude and goes, stick around. around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and every time I look forward to that line, but it's, it's such a great, well-orchestrated and well-shot action sequence. So... The film does that, too, to kind of put your faith in these guys like nothing can touch these guys. These guys went into this camp and took out everyone. Yeah, they get a couple small battle scars or whatever. But at that point, you're invested as an audience member thinking nothing can take these guys out. These guys are like the elite of the elite. They're brutal. Nothing can touch them. And then that's where, as the film goes on, you learn that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to the writers as well because, you know, this could have been uh, something really lazily written. Yeah, they they wrote in a character of Dylan who used to work with Dutch, who basically hires them and uh, you know kind of lies to them like, oh, this is why we're going to go over there. But he's got his own you know ulterior motive, and uh, you know which Dutch kind of finds out here. So there's a bunch of paperwork I guess he came to get. Uh, which, you know, at the expense of uh, a lot of men, you know, and then so, you know, we get a little um, a little conflict here between yeah, Dylan the, and Dutch, that's right, too. A little animosity, yeah. You're expendable, and I used you to get the job done. Got it? Yeah. And yeah, look at his eyes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're back and forth, <laughs> man. Their chemistry, Arnold and Carl Weathers, make no mistake, they're great in this movie together, especially they have some great chemistry in this film. Yeah, see, and like, you know, somebody who is uh, maybe uh, not as strong in the writing field, you know, may not have inter- uh, added that part into the story, and it, you know, wouldn't be as engaging. You know, now you're just kind of watching mindless action, but now there, there's a motive, you know, for uh, Dylan to wanting to join this team. And I, I, I do like, you know, the back and forth throughout the entire movie. You know, uh, Dutch calls him, you know, um, a pencil pusher. You know, and and all of these things, and and uh, Dylan's got his own comebacks too. Like, oh, I woke up. You know, when 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 is the time you're you know f- yeah for you to wake up and and all that. I don't think his lines are as good, but he tries. Oh, well, of course, they're going to give Arnold the best lines. <laughs> I mean, and, and Arnold had said when this project came his way, he had always said he wanted to do like uh, you know, uh, kind of like a collaborative type film, like you know, like The Magnificent Seven, where it's a bunch of different guys. They all have their own personalities. And and this film basically is that. It's an 80s version of that, where these guys are very distinct, very different. They have their own lines. And I'd have to say, if anyone has the best lines in the film outside of Arnold, it's Jesse Ventura. I mean, bunch of fucking slap-jawed faggots out there. Hey, that's that's a bad word. It is. But when you hear him say that now, it's like, within the context of the film, it makes sense. And then, Ain't Got Time to Bleed. And then... This shit'll make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. I mean, those are lines you can't imagine anyone else other than Jesse Ventura spewing out in the film because they're so great. I mean, and he carries it so well. Yeah, and well, and that little hesitation before, just like me, the sexual tyrannosaurus. Yeah, that that's is a good line. But but yeah, my favorite line in the entire movie is definitely "I don't have time to bleed." Yeah, you know, it's it's just a great line. 
um well, once they uh you know get to see the the, the predator um I, I really do like it at this point a, a lot of people had died the predator itself has been injured too so i really do like the look of that um the whole rule with the uh thermo vision you know that's kind of they kind of play loose with that, like the scorpion. You know, it kind of like got cold way too fast. I mean, I, I don't think a scorpion would even emit that much heat, but sure. Right. You know, this is an alien technology, so what, what do I know? But um, what were some of your uh, favorite kills by oh, the man. Predator? Oh, man. Dylan's kill is one of the best because he's still fighting when he dies. <laughs> and that shot, when you see, you know, as we were just talking about the parrot, the parrot gun, on the predator's shoulder to shoot down and nail him. And like and you you don't realize when you're watching it, but when you analyze it, you're like, this predator must have detailed files on human anatomy because where he cuts it is like perfectly off. Like he knows right. where to get it. It's like lined up perfectly. And I just love that slow-mo shot of the arm still chugging along with the the semi-automatic machine gun. And it's just like falling to the ground. I love it. He gets hit once, then he gets hit in the arm. And that's, I, I love that scene. And that's the perfect use of slow-mo. Um, that's probably my favorite of the bunch. Only because you love Carl Weathers because he's Apollo Creed when you watch it. I don't know about anybody else, but that was the, I, I had already seen him as Apollo Creed going up right. to that film. So you're like, oh man, it's Apollo Creed. I like that guy. And then, so he's like a complete jerk in this movie. And you're like, oh man, I, I, I want to see him die. And it's just like any other slasher or any other horror film or any other film where someone, you know, that you want to see get killed is going to get killed. And then you finally get them. See, you finally see him get, they meet doomsday. They're, they're done. And it's awesome. And, and, and yeah. it pays off. And you're like, yes, finally, yes. But, oh, well, Arnold's on his own now. He's basically, the, he, the Predator picks all these people off. And then you're like, okay, well, Arnold is on it on his own. And which is weird because um, the original concept for this film, the original script was going to just be Arnold versus this thing the whole time, which I never, it would have never made sense to me. It would have never yeah. been plausible or, or, you know, relatable or Anything that I feel like modern audiences, even even in the, in the 80s, could buy. Um, so it's great that they had a great team. And when they're all gone and it's just Arnold, that's that's the ultimate showdown. That's where the film gets even better. It's even improved upon, in my opinion. Whereas a lot of films in their third act, like, you know, they could be go either way. You know Arnold's all by himself. He is the action hero of the 80s. He is the biggest action hero of the 80s. So at this point, you're expecting him to be like, oh, Arnold's just going to go and be able to take this thing out, no problem. And he goes through hell. And he actually used to use technique, and he has to actually put effort into constructing a plan to how he's going to take this thing out. And I love how he uses his environment. He uses the jungle to kind of plan this thing out. Because up until that point, you got to think about the movies we had seen Arnold in and what his characters usually did. Like he didn't have to put much effort in anything. He just pick up guns, blow people away and they were done. But this was an adversary that was much more powerful, much stronger than him and smarter than him. And I liked that they, they pitted Arnold against that. And at the time I'm surprised that he actually went for it because he was very chauvinistic, very egotistical at the time, mm -hmm. but it works. It works so well because it challenges what audiences would think Arnold would be able to do against this thing. Yeah. I, it gets real at the end for sure. You yeah. know, obviously we're rooting for Arnold. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think like everything that's going through his mind. You know, th this is nothing he's ever seen. Uh, Blaine, who gets like 
two pumps to the chest or, or something. It's like he gets, yeah. his chest just explodes, you know. It, and, it is pretty badass, yeah. It is. And then they're like, well, what happened? Like, you know, it, it cauterized the wound and all that too. So it's like, it's it's nothing they've ever seen. So, um, you know, just all, all of those kind of factor in. And it, it's, oh man, it's so good. It's so good. I'm just thinking about the movie right now. Uh, actually, I, I think later tonight I'm going to check it out in 3D. I, I, you, you better. You better just yeah. for, for my sake, because I heard it's a great, I'm, I'm not into 3D at all. But I'll be honest, yeah. I, I'm very intrigued to see what they did with it. I'm definitely going to watch it as soon as we get done here. Um, just because I, I meant to watch it before, because, because, but um, I think it was like three months ago. I, I put it in randomly because I'm like, yeah, it's Predator. When it starts getting warm out, I just feel like Predator, like, oh, jungle setting. It'll make it feel like, it'll make it feel like, um, like summertime. But, you know, another thing we, we should touch on real quick is, the horrible conditions these people went through, these actors and the production mm-hmm. and the crew went through to make this film. Um, according to John McTiernan, it was absolutely horrendous to shoot this movie. Um, this movie almost made Arnold Schwarzenegger miss his own wedding uh, because oh, wow. he was about to to actually get married during the the shooting of this movie. And he was so concentrated on making Predator, knowing that he is, he's so driven. Uh, if you read his book, actually, his his biography that he wrote, um, he, he talks about it in detail. Um, but they were, they were filming in this jungle in freezing temperatures. You know, Arnold had to be in the water and then the mud was freezing him and all these things that these characters were doing, these actors were doing to portray their characters. It's nuts. You got to think about it now compared to then when everything had to be done practically, you know, nothing Mm -hmm. can be done CG back then. So they had to be in the jungle. They had to do this. Now they can just do it all green screen. So, it just, I would I, hate that. I know, of course. You know, of course. I, 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 there's no other way that I'd have Predator other than them in, in a practical jungle. And you know, you can see it in this movie. Nothing is fake. Everything's real. Everything is on location in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it gives it that organic look. So I do appreciate, uh, you know, the authenticity, you know, of practical effects for sure. Um, you know, and even like all, all of his uh, booby traps that he makes at the end, there they yeah. they all look man made. You know, nothing. That uh, okay, you know that that was like unbelievable. It's not like Home Alone. It's not like he came up with like a whole house worth of booby traps in like an hour, you know, like right. Home Alone. <laughs> like Home Alone, exactly. But I mean, and this like he he had some time. He, he he and he is a guy that has that knowledge, that war knowledge. Um, he's obviously killed a lot of people to be able to come up with ideas on how to kill this thing. That's what's so interesting and so compelling and exciting about that when you watch it because you're like, oh, man, what's he going to do? Especially the first time you watch it, like, what's he going to do to come up with? Like, they've already shot at it. And that's one of the best scenes in the movie, I feel like. Um, Not to go back, you know, where we've already passed, but when they all just unload you know, they, right. they they think they see it and they unload and they just mow down that jungle, man. And they're all just, you know, chain gun, machine guns. They're all just fully unloading on this jungle. And they're under the impression that, oh, it's got it's got to have been killed. There's no way it couldn't have been killed. Nothing could have lived through that. It had so much more to the mystique of the predator knowing that it's not gone. You know, that's... I can't, I can't, I can't praise this movie enough because it builds up, it builds up the villain. It builds up this predator, this alien creature so well that at the end, you're just so rooting for Arnold to win that it's, it's not even funny. You just want to see this thing get, finally get, make it, you you just want to finally see this thing meet its end. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, that scene leads to like another great line. Uh, Mac is the one that's carrying around old painless, you know, the minigun. We find out that he unleashes like 200 rounds and like nobody should survive that. And I think it was Hawkins that ran out there, couldn't find a body, couldn't find sign of blood or anything like that. But we do see uh, the Predator bleeding a little bit later. So I guess maybe... You know, Hawkins wasn't able to find the green blood or something. But, yeah, it, it it's still an amazing scene, you know. And that scene, having served uh, in the Army, not that I actually was in a firefight like this, but you trust, the, like, if, if one of your buddies is shooting, you're going to be shooting no questions asked. You know, right. like, who are we shooting right. at? Nothing. You know, your, your friend's shooting one direction, you just start shooting yourself. And all those guys, they just kind of join in, you know. And um, it can come off a little silly, but no, like, you, you don't know what's coming. They, they don't know what's going on. At this point, everybody's bodies have been disappearing. You know, um, guts are just laying around in the middle of nowhere. So you shoot to kill. You know, in that situation, I, I know uh, Dutch says that they're not assassins, but they they're really left with no choice there. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I love the way they portray these characters, because these guys are going in there. It's supposed to be a simple job, as it always is in these movies. But this is a movie that originated that idea. Like, hey, we're sending a team in here. It's supposed to be a simple snatch and grab, simple job. Go to go go rescue. Go do what you're supposed to do. And they just run into this wall, this thing that they cannot they can't deal with. They can't stop it. Um, and that's what makes it so special because these guys are the badass of the badass. It's perfect. I mean, I, I really, when I think about this, as we're talking about the movie, as we're going over every little detail, every little scene that we both love, all these characters, action sequences, I really can't find very much to be upset about that I didn't like. I mean, it's different than movies today where there's, you know, I feel like it's easier to come up with ideas on things that you dislike. But with this movie, I feel like it was just one of those movies that was lightning in a bottle you know just they had an idea very simple idea They're like yeah let's just do this let's go let's, let's do this very nonchalantly and they did it and it, it's a classic and it, it's so it's so well regarded today um compared especially now compared to what critics thought at the time it's it, for, at the time it was kind of mixed whatever they're like eh, whatever but now as you see film progress and the genre it's like dude how special was that very special yeah, I mean, this movie is 30 years old and it holds up. I mean, it's very, it's very timeless. There's nothing in the movie that dates it except for like, you know, the thermal vision, which is forgivable because it's an alien technology. Yeah. You know, there's there's no cell phones or anything like that. Um, there's no slangs that are really from the 80s. Right. What makes it 80s is really some of the one-liners, you know, knock, knock, you know, stick around. Um that's fine. It's 1987. They're very forgivable. Take away some of that. Maybe some of the parts where he's talking out loud to himself that, um, you know, clearly the audience knows what's going on, but he says it anyway. It's fine. You know, the very minor nitpicks overall is still a great movie. Um, so speaking of, uh, rating, I guess. That was kind of a bad segue, but uh, I got both the the Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb up. Uh, So Rotten Tomatoes has it fresh at 78%. IMDb has it at 7.8%. It's the same score. This is the first time I've ever seen it. Basically, yeah, there you go. I'm shocked, but 
Yeah, I'm okay with it. You know, I, I think that's a, a solid score. Um, I actually expected uh, Rotten Tomatoes to be a little bit lower, you know, like in the 6.7 or 67% or something like that. So um, I'm, I'm happy that uh, they have it fresh almost at 80%. So solid movie, man. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's very intense. Uh, he's got this presence about him. I buy him. You know, um, I, I remember this was a while ago. Somebody was all like, yeah, but, you know, he's talking about how, like, oh, can't see me because of the mud. Who cares? Like, this guy has gone through some stuff. He has seen some things. You know, sometimes you got to say things out loud to know that sometimes things that you're thinking about in your head don't sound as good unless you say it out loud. Yeah, you know, it's I'm just, the same it's, way, dude. I, I, yeah. I talk to myself all the time. Whatever. I say things yeah. that I'm going to do before I do them just to kind of get <laughs> myself amped up to do them. So it makes total sense. That And that whole sequence in general is so clever. And it works so well cinematically to see it on screen, to see Arnold cover himself in mud, and to know that Arnold in real life like was freezing to death putting that mud on. It's so it's so awesome. Like it's real mud, dude. That's Arnold putting on real mud in the jungle to fight this thing. So yeah. it, it's I'm sure it, it helped out the skin a little bit too, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> had a little it mud bath like, there. Yeah. A little bit mud bath. You know, um shortly uh, before that was the uh, a pretty great uh, another use of slow mo was when he like kind of like falls down the, the waterfall there. Oh, that was so a pretty iconic, good scene yeah. too. Yeah. I love that I scene that quite yeah. a bit. Um now, you kind of briefly talked a little bit about some of the sequels. What what are the ones that you do like? Well, you know, I feel like when I go into Predator 2, um, it was a concept that they just wanted to make a sequel. And they threw it at Arnold and he said, it doesn't make any sense. Why would it be, why would it be in the city? I'm not doing it. It sounds bad. Um, he did, and he just tossed it. And I don't have anything against Danny Glover. I don't. I love Danny Glover. Um, but Danny Glover against the Predator, after you just saw all these awesome, huge, muscular commando characters try to fight it in the jungle, and then you're going to see Danny Glover, like that's just like a cop in L.A. By himself, yeah. By himself, try to fight one. It's a fine, okay, enjoyable, schlocky-type action science fiction movie. I do enjoy watching it. Is it a good sequel to Predator? No. Yeah, not at, not all. at all. Um, not at all whatsoever. But you know, I did enjoy and I appreciated to an extent what Predators attempted to do. Robert Rodriguez did produce that. He did not direct it. I wish he did. Um, mm-hmm. um because it, it did the same idea, like let's throw these characters that are a bunch of different kinds of characters um that are very individual and specific to where they came from, what they're there for, a bunch of prisoners on this um planet, like where the predators train to learn how to hunt. Um, they brought back cues from Sylvester's score and the music. Um, and it looked similar to the first film and I like Adrian Brody a lot. Um, and of course, and it has machete in, in yeah. the film as well. Danny Trejo, Danny Trejo. Yeah. So, um, I thought it was good. I saw it in the theater and I, and I own it on Blu-ray and I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. You know, it's not amazing, but it, it was a cool attempt at doing something similar to the first film with kind of bringing back the feelings of that first film for fans. Um, don't even get me started on the Alien versus Predator movies because I will just get very angry and then want to probably <laughs> smash by computer in front of me. Um, huge <laughs> disappointments. I don't know any fans that were excited or happy about those. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't remember them at all. Uh, but Predators, um, I do like it better than um, Predator Two. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm there with you. Um, I don't think I own Predators, but I do I do like it. 
I know some people had like some problems with the casting and some were like, you know, that one, you know, I'm trying to be spoiler free here for those that hadn't seen it. But I remember somebody saying it was too on the nose with one of the casting because you cast this particular person to be like a misdirect, you know, and then there's that twist and like they didn't buy it. Oh, yeah. Well, er Eric Foreman's in it and no one likes freaking Eric Foreman. Well, that that 70s show. No one likes Topher Grace in anything (laughs) that poor kid does. I feel bad for him because he's not that bad of an actor. But I'm like, dude. They put you as Venom. No, horrible choice. Right. Oh, they're putting you in a Predator movie. Oh, no, horrible choice. Dude, just go do TV again. Yeah, know? go back to TV. Hey, That's okay. But you know but, what? He he did. A, he had an okay movie. There was that one that took place in the 80s. Something tonight. There was a comedy, uh, wasn't there? It was a comedy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it I was remember named it. after a song, um, Take Me Home Tonight. You know, based Take on that song. Take me home tonight. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I don't wanna. Yeah, I, yeah actually, it's got like yeah. Teresa Palmer in it. Ooh, I love her. Wow, it's funny how that wasn't released that long ago, and it's so forgettable. But I mean, yeah, twenty eleven, yeah, six years ago, yeah, oh, six years ago. Oh, yeah, that was actually a while ago. Holy crap! Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was fine in that one, but but uh, that that's really it. Um, all right. So if you are good, I got a couple listener feedback. Awesome! I'd love to hear them. All right, let's get into those. All right, so I don't know if you know this person. It's uh, Epic Film Guy Nick here. Okay, so I'm just going to read it as asked here. Did you make the graphic for the episode yet, or am I going, going to have to wait until after you're done recording with Pete? Afterwards. Afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that was in reference to like this episode or something you guys are doing right now. Oh yeah, it's for our episode that lands tomorrow. <laughs> okay. He, he didn't he didn't text me. He could have texted me. So That's funny. Uh another question from him. What does the dumpster at the Ned Divine's bar smell like? Double cheeseburgers. Double cheese okay. So inside joke probably. I I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah, it's okay. You, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then uh, we got one more feedback. Um, a good friend of the show, uh, also a movie uh, pod squad uh, networker here. It is from Chris from the More Gooder Than podcast. Uh, it is a predator question. He asks, do you think you can take out the predator if you were in a similar situation? So, okay, so similar situation. Are we assuming that we are part of this group or part of another group like this? Is that how you would take the question? I guess so. Um, okay. But, I mean, I don't know if you want to answer first or not. Um, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, you know, yeah, give you ahead. some time to think. Yeah. Because uh, I did see the question a little bit earlier, so I, I've had a little bit time to to kind of marinate on it. Um, so I have served nine years uh, in in the army. So I've done you know exercises, training exercises, uh, where um, we did a lot of like urban warfare kind of things. Uh, I went to Fort Lewis over in Washington where they actually had t- uh, towns built, you know, to prepare us to go to the Middle East. Um, so I've, I've had a little bit of training. And one of the things that uh, they really focus on is concealment or hiding behind things. Uh, we kind of talked about how McTiernan kind of did a great job of like capturing that claustrophobia, even in an open space in a jungle. Right. Yeah. See, for us being human, we have no advantage. <laughs> we, we we have no advantage. Um, 
the 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 predator would definitely win. Uh, but at the least, uh, one of the things I felt they were doing wrong is that they were always too out in the open. They're allowing this predator to study them. You know, you talked about how knowing to cut off the arm, maybe it's something he uh, he studied from skinning all of those bodies hanging upside down. You know, um, maybe he does have a little blueprint of our bodies. You know, because we we didn't even talk about that amazing beginning. You know, where it takes it's in space. We see a spaceship. Yeah. You know, going to Earth, so uh, it just they, drops they, off that capsule. That's right it. On the planet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, that's one of the things I would do. I would try to conceal myself or hide myself so I can try to draw out this thing that is hunting me, so I can learn from it or learn, you know, anything. Try to find some kind of weakness to work to my advantage. Um, would I be successful? Probably not. I am a little guy. I am definitely not six three and muscular. Uh, I'm like five seven, uh, a buck sixty. You know. So, but if, if I could be like the Hawkins guy, who's not very big. You know, he's he's muscular, not big like these other guys. You know, if if we did it right, you know, thirty years from when this movie took place, maybe you know, maybe we could take on this predator. It's entirely possible. However, myself, I would say no. <laughs> not happening. I've I've shot some guns. Definitely shot some guns. Um, not fully trained in any way for combat or anything like that. But even if I was, knowing what I know about that thing, I'm like, no, it'll see me. The heat signature. Oh, that parrot gun. Oh, I'm done. It's gonna blow my fucking head off. I'm done. I'm not even gonna. I wouldn't even deal with it. If I knew it was there, I'd be running. I'd be out of there. I'm sorry. Then I'd yeah. go get a drink. Or actually, five or six <laughs> stiff drinks just to have to deal with the fact that I knew the thing was there. So yeah, I, no, I wouldn't be a match for that. No, I wish I, I wish I could say yes, but no confidence there. <laughs> the, the the one other thing that um, I think this team was missing was a a sniper. You know, like I, I think that really could have benefited them having somebody. Uh, you know, like if they were to draw out the predator, and then there, there'd be a sniper. You know, take take a shot. So uh, I think that is the the, the one thing, and I, I do okay in, in marksmanship actually. You know, so um, so probably maybe left out purposely. Probably yeah. left out purposely. Like, well, if you have a sniper in there, it could possibly see it move and rustle those leaves up there. So like, leave that out of the story. I can just I can just hear the suit saying like, leave that out because then. Right. That makes be like, it too oh, easy. I'm sure there's plenty of military that were like, why isn't there a sniper there? You know, for oh, that sure. thing. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. It makes total sense. Because then yeah. one hit, you know, wherever, like at least what it would have injured it more than it was already. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you, Chris, for that uh, question. It was uh, it was a fun one. It was a fun one to kind of like, yeah. you know, put my, my mind back in that mindset. You know, uh, I, I'm only... Seven years removed right now. I've only only seven years removed. That's a long time. Um, I'm sure a lot has changed, uh, obviously. Uh, but yeah, Justin, thank you so much, man. This is a lot of fun. I, I learned quite a bit from you uh, on this episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you were definitely um, uh, some of the things you uh, brought up early on. I was going to bring up too, but it, it was more of like capturing that claustrophobia, e- even in open space. So that's just a very good point. Um, and it, oh god, man, he, he directed this uh, so well. This movie. I'm so glad that he did because then he went on to do one one of the best action movies ever. The, two, two of the best action movies ever. <laughs> um, most love it more than I do, but I still love it to death. Die Hard, you know, and the guy went on to do so many great things and then he went to jail and now he's out bashing comic book movies in the press. But, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever, dude. Um, I, I think he did a fantastic job with this. I think all around it is just the quintessential 80s action science fiction film. And, and leaving my my ending thoughts on the film are this. It is action science fiction, but you forget that it's science fiction because it's done in such a way 
that you're on Earth and you don't really feel that like alien feeling you see or you feel when you watch other alien movies in the 80s or even previous to that. But it's still science fiction because they, they have this awesome, awesome, uh, well-trained alien that's just basically hunting them, which is why the original name of the film was Hunter. And then it went to Predator when they changed the design. But um, awesome idea. So many different concepts for other movies that happened in the 80s, and they balled it all into one. And this is just an absolute fucking classic. I love Predator. Um, I know you said you don't do ratings on your show. It's fine. I'm still going to spit one out, even though we're probably removing them from our show. I would personally give a number rating of Predator as a 9 out of 10. It's near perfect action science fiction film. Um, love all the characters. Have very little to complain about. Plot, whatever. It's simple. It's a simple idea. It's an experience movie. Yeah, there's some nitpicks here and there, but dude, it's Predator. It's Predator. So it is what it is. Yeah. I'm you right know? there with you. Um, I, you know, like if I was doing the whole ratings thing, I probably would have gave this like a four and a half, maybe five out of five stars. You know, it makes it's total like it's, sense. Yeah. It's a near perfect movie. It's like it clocks in at 145, but it's so well paced, man. Like yeah. the score, like it's like the, the cadence of the percussions, it's almost like pulsating. You know, it's just kind of like, what's going to happen? <laughs> when is this predator going to come out? When is it going to reveal itself? You know, but. But before you even get any of those, man, you get that amazing action sequence, you know, and it just goes on for a while. It makes you kind of forget that uh, there's even a threat out there. Yeah, because the way the the film, as you just mentioned not that long ago, um, when the ship leaves the capsule, it's done in such a quick effort that you're like, oh, you kind of seem to forget about that. You're like, oh, wait a minute. There's something here. And I can't even imagine how special of a feeling those audience members felt when they watched this movie in theaters for the first time. Think of an opening weekend 30 years ago on June 12th, going into that movie and seeing that for the first time. People had to be wowed. They had to be shocked. They had to be like so excited after they left that movie theater because such a special thing happened to them. And make no mistake, leaving my final thoughts because I'll stop blabbing, I promise. <laughs> but that creature design, come on. Nothing before, nothing since has touched it. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's mind-blowing. I love it. It's Predator. Yeah, yeah perfect is, is a great word. I mean, I'm, I'm staring at the, the poster right now. You don't get anything that, that, uh, you know, that looks like the Predator <laughs> as uh, Justin's showing off the, the Predator uh, figurine there. It's pretty awesome. But um, yeah, man, like you, you go in not knowing like anything at all. I, I didn't like rewatch the trailer for this review, which I thought um, would, which like in hindsight would probably would have been interesting to kind of yeah, like definitely. try to get an idea, like what the people were, you know, what they had in mind going into watching the movie. But I kind of do wonder like if they had not shown, you know, the whole space sequence and, and that little pod or capsule uh, would had it been cool if, if there was a reveal that this is extraterrestrial. Like uh, his ship is all of a sudden found. I think you know. I think that's the, one of the special things about you know pre-internet days, pre-internet movie days, is that all you would see is the trailer in the theater and maybe a TV spot or two, depending on if the studio wanted to promote it on television. Which at that point was the late '80s, so they were doing that a little bit more, um, depending on what it was. If it was Arnold, you better believe they were promoting it on TV. But 
that's what made it so special. And that's the word of mouth money they're mm-hmm. made. That's what made it so special back then is that people would leave that theater and go, oh man, it's an, it is al- there's an alien in this thing. There's a huge, awesome creature that beats the shit out of Arnold. And you had <laughs> not seen anything like that up until that point with Arnold in it. And he was the box office master. He was the guy that brought in all the dope until that point as an action spectacle action star. So it's a special thing. It's such a special feeling when you think about that movie. And I'd love, I'd love, I'm, I'm looking behind you on Skype here and I'm seeing Marty McFly next to that time machine. If I had that time machine that they made out of a DeLorean, I would take that back to 1987. Believe me. And I would see predator in theaters with all those fans opening weekend. I'd love to see the looks on their faces. It would be a special time for sure. Oh God, that that would be so great to be able to travel back in time to certain um, theatrical like premieres. You know, yeah. just kind of like uh, relive some of the, well, not relive, but experience them for the very first time. I I want to go see Back to the Future for the very first time. You know, when it first came out, was it July thirty first, nineteen eighty five, or something like that? So, yeah. Um, thanks again so much. Uh, where can listeners, um, you know, find your show uh, and um, get a hold of you guys on any of the uh, social media platforms? Yeah, we're at, at Epic Film Guys on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And as I always say in my radio voice that Shampoo from Bud's Beers and Brutality loves, www.epicfilmguys.com. That's www.epicfilmguys.com. You can find all of our weekly episodes there. And you can hear my partner, Epic Film Guy, Nick, hate everything that you love in your life. So check it out. <laughs> I hope yeah, you enjoy you it. <laughs> yeah, you guys got uh, written reviews and stuff like that, too. That's right. So there's there's yeah. something for everyone. Definitely check out the site. Um, for me on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Podstalgic. Uh, you can find any of my contents for Podstalgic or We Got Five at CortonParts.com, uh, along with other great shows. And um, we also have a Facebook group page called Corton Parts Podcast. If you're interested, you can join the group there and interact with any of the hosts uh, or listeners of uh, any of our shows. Um, if you listen to our uh, sister show called TV Ate My Brain, where we got a variety of different hosts covering different shows, you can join the group and leave feedback for any of those coverages as well. So it's a great, uh, fun time. And that, that'll do it. So, uh, uh, Justin, thank you again for joining me on this review uh, for the 30th anniversary. Uh, hopefully, we uh, excited the listener to go out and, and rewatch the movie if they haven't I done so. that yet. I definitely yeah. hope so. Yeah, or, yeah, or if it's your fun. first time, if it's your first time and you still listen to this review, which many people do <laughs> on our show, hey, go watch it. I hope you watched it before this, but if you haven't, go watch it and watch it a bunch of times. Yeah, for sure. And since Justin isn't on Twitter, you can um, obviously uh, at him on Instagram, you know, when I make the post and we can carry the conversation over there as well. Uh, If you have any thoughts or anything you disagree with, anything we said, um, you know, let's continue the conversation there on social media. So uh, I want to thank Justin again. I want to thank you guys for checking out the show. Uh, If you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving an iTunes review for the podcast. That will really help out the visibility. And if you got a few minutes, go over the uh, epic film guys and leave them one as well Um, support your local uh, independent podcasters thank you very much for that and thanks again thanks again for having me on the show I had a ball on this talking about a fantastic movie with someone that also loves fantastic movies I I couldn't be happier tonight thanks again man yeah and and, uh, thank you the listeners for checking out the show and uh, we will see you guys later
Thank you for listening to the Court Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com. Let me just get some clothes on because I'm completely naked, dude. Oh, really? Well, I, I have no shirt on. <laughs> yeah, I'm halfway kidding. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw it on, dude. That's my wife, Danielle. Peter, nice to meet you. That's Peter. <laughs> Are you naked? No, he's just uh, I'm topless. That's all. I'm topless. <laughs>